You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Sports Talk is fell to rushing. And Java, I'm still looking for my little hookup piece from my earphones. You remember when we were in Texas and we were talking to somebody over her, her, uh, her ear, her yes, ear. and then it connected to her Bluetooth, and we were yelling in her hearing aid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, I've, I've got one someplace because I listened to it on the airplane coming over, but it's just a little connection thing. Anyway, we'll see what I, what, what happened before we got called in a little bit of feedback, but let's see if we can muddle through this thing. Yeah, no, we'll make it. You sound, you're sounding good, man. For the technology, I mean, the miracle of technology all all across the pond, uh, you, sound, you sound good, Felder. All the way across the pond, man. It sounds sounds impressive. But, you know, I, I passed sort of what they call a, a lemon, L-I-M-E-N. Lemon is a threshold where you step from one, one room to the next. When you go through the door, that's a lemon. Sort of like when you, uh, when you get in an airplane – and you take off, you're not where you're from and not where you're going. You're in between, that little weird feeling there. Sort of like New Year's Eve is what we're going to be talking about uh, in a couple of weeks. You know, you're not in 2021, you're not 2022, so let's whoop it up. Anyway, we're going to be talking about nothing but gardening. I do want to ask you something, Java. Yes, uh, sir. Last week when I, was, when I was in the studio, there was a plant in the studio that was dead as a doornail. <laughs> the pot was dry, the potting soil was dry, the plant, it was nothing but withered leaves, and it had a note on there, stuck on it, that says, do not discard. What's up with that? Yeah, honestly, man, it's a mystery. Nobody knows who who brought this plant here, and it happened as quickly as a weekend. One Friday, um, I think you may have been out of the studio, but it was here, and it was alive. It was kicking, and then we came in on Monday, and it was looking how you saw it. But it but it does say, do not remove, do not discard. So it's just sitting over there in all its... uh, wimpy splendor <laughs> i mean this this could be like a twilight zone type of thing you know and the plants are right in their own you know i'm okay type of thing i don't know it's, well yeah is weird. it are there are there plants that kind of look uh i guess this is a maybe a, a off the wall question and we do have some callers lining up but so we can get to them after this question but are there some plants that kind of look i guess maybe dead but they're okay oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a, as a matter of fact, a lot of people in this, who listen have this. It's a type of fern that grows on tree limbs, does not grow in the dirt, doesn't grow on rock. It only grows on tree limbs and tree trunks. It's called resurrection fern. And the leaves are about as long as our index finger, real t- tight little leathery, dark green leaves. But after a couple of days after rain, they dry up like they're dead, like they're brown. It's just the most unbelievably dead-looking stuff. And Two hours after good rain, they green right back up and look fantastic. It's called resurrection fern, but they look dead as a doorknob. And there are some plants that are that were bred for landscape that are brown. There's a grass that's brown. It looks like it's been hit with Roundup or something. But yeah, there's some there's plants that look fake, and there are some plants that look dead. So uh, anyway, you say we got some calls on. Let's see if this thing works. Yeah, let's go. Um, we got two callers lined up right now. First, we're going to go to Melina. In Lower Melanie in Lower Alabama, Melanie. Good morning. Hey, Melanie. How are you this morning? I am very well, thank you. I'm in the envious of you, but hey, we can't all be there. But so enjoy it okay? for us, sir. Wait, can you hear okay? Yes, I hear fine. Hello. What's going on, lady? All right. Well, I have a friend who wants to start a vegetable garden. I have really too many trees to do more than just grow my little lettuce like I'm doing now. But um, he has a pasture, I guess you'd say, next to his yard that he owns. Yeah. And it's has had hay. He's been growing hay on it for years. And I was he had mentioned to me, because he knows I like to garden, but I don't do food gardening much, what's the best way? He could have it plowed, but... I've seen so much about the no-dig gardening, and that seems to me like he doesn't actually own a tractor. He'd have to get somebody to plow it. And I was wondering, 
since that dirt, grass is so entrenched, would it be better to have it plowed the first time around? Or, well, this, you know, this, it's a really good question. A lot of people are going to be interested in this. First of all, how, if, has he gardened before? Uh, he has a couple of little raised beds in his backyard, okay. but he okay. hasn't okay. had much success that, with them. That, that, that's what I'm getting at. He's got an area that's the size of a farm. A garden is only as big as you can take care of and only planting what you actually need. So what I would do is I would start out with one or two raised beds at a time. You know, and, and they don't have to be shored up. A lot of people think raised beds got to be a box on top of the ground. All it is right. is take the dirt that's there and turn it upside down, maybe add some stuff to it. So you know how, how cotton fields have long, skinny rows? Well, this is like a wide row, three or four feet right. across. So if he'll work with a few little beds like that first, you know, that he can actually plant and take care of, he can always add one or two or as many more as he wants to later. But the, for, for gardening, for vegetable and herb and flower production, raised beds, however many you can manage, are the easiest way to go, and they're really pretty productive. And if it goes that way, really all he has to do is, is uh, either rent a tiller, and you can rent a big tiller for a lot cheaper than you can buy one. I mean, you can, right. you can wear one out for 50 bucks and not have to do anything except load it back up in the truck when you're done. But if he'll, if he'll take an area and sink a tiller down at least six or seven, maybe eight inches, add a little, and just till up the stuff that's there, the pasture grass and everything, he's going to have every kind of weed in the world, but that's to be expected. Till that up really good, fertilize it plant it, and cover it with mulch to keep as many of the weed seeds down as you can, and then take it from there. But I would start with, with uh, just two or three or four raised beds, maybe four feet wide, maybe five feet wide, and 20 feet long, 30 feet, however he wants to do it, and just add them one at a time as it gets around to it. Now, yeah. that's a whole lot whole lot easier than plowing a field and, and trying to garden like a farmer. That is right. right. I don't think he was planning to do that, and I had already told him that, that, you know, I thought the raised beds would be the way to go. So would it be, like, right now we have leaves, right? <laughs> so would it be a good thing to put the leaves on there now before it's tilled and then add more mulch in, in the spring when you actually plant? I, I would till first, and if he gets a leaf, till first, put leaves on, and then till those in. If you put them on top and till, you can't go very deep. But dig it, what he's got first, then spread some leaves, and maybe till those in or wait till spring to plant. But it's always better to till with it before you add a bunch of stuff so you can get a little bit deeper that first time. First time is the only chance you're going to get to do it right. But a little bit of fertilizer, till as deep as you can, and uh, just don't go crazy or else he's going to end up getting frustrated and burned out. And nobody, and that happens to me. Yeah, and he has chickens, so chicken manure would be all right to add, like, not immediately at the time you're planting, but, you know, I mean, I've heard it's too strong, but I don't think you'd have enough it's to... Not, it, it, it's not too strong. Just spread, just, you know, think think crackers and chili. You don't need to, you don't need to put them... And think mozzarella cheese sprinkled uh, Parmesan on top of some chili. You know, you don't have to add a whole bunch. But uh, it, it, I'd go ahead and cut it in, you know, when he... When he does everything in other words mix it all in right all main right, thing that. is don't don't get daunted and don't try to do too much too many crazy wild book learning <laughs> things you want to start small and build on success oh that's uh you know it's it's easy to get discouraged in gardening i will just say that <laughs> especially it's in easy. lower alabama where there's so much co- co- is it kogan is that the way you pronounce it grass kogan grass yeah well, he's going to have a lot of weeds, so that's why I'm saying is instead of garden like a farmer, garden in, in rows. This way they do it worldwide. I've been to the Andes or to Japan, to Africa, all over the world, in England, to where people garden for food. They almost always have little raised beds, yeah. always, because that's, what, that's what they end up doing. Well, right. that's what works. Right. Well, that's a good thing. He can treat each of those as an individual garden. He can plant, and when that's harvested or dies, he can replant that without having to do the whole garden. So treat each one like a little garden. And that's wonderful because I was uh, eat, we were eating a salad yesterday for my lettuce garden, and uh, you know I could see that I had replanted on one one side of it because I'd already harvested that side, and there they were coming up. And I said, "All right, more salad coming on." <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, you have a great Christmas season. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it, Melanie. See ya. 
Yeah, let's, right. that was a that was that was a great first call, Melanie. Thank you for calling in this morning. And it's working okay. I don't have my special <laughs> little dongle, but who came up with the word dongle for things yeah. that you add to phones and stuff? Yeah, but it does it. It, it helps when you have your dongle uh, working properly. But let's um. Oh, hey, there's, there's got to be a song in there someplace. That's dongle. <laughs> but even without your dongle, let's continue on the phones and let's go to um, William in Oxford. William, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing great, Felder. Um, I had a kind of a complex question about yuccas, um, specifically the ones that are native to Mississippi, uh, the ones that are purely ornamental or introduced. I'm having a hard time figuring out which is which. It doesn't seem like there's that much uh, research into the topic except what people may just know. No, we have tons of, tons of information on that. And there are a lot of different kinds of yuccas, including some that are not cold-hardy, that they may grow on the coast or in Florida that won't grow even in Jackson. But in general, you got the, the, the stem kinds with the real stiff-pointed Spanish dagger-type leaves, and they have the ones that have mm-hmm. softer leaves that they, they're pointed, but they'll bend. And those are the, the native and the non-native, the best for the gardens. The native one is called filamentosa. And you can tell it because mm-hmm. it's a little clump-forming thing, and the leaves have got little ragged th- uh, filaments, like little threads hanging off the edge of all the leaves up and down. they, they got little filaments hanging off the edge of the leaves. Mm-hmm. And that's a classic native one. And there's some cultivated varieties that have better colors. But in general, that's going to be a clump former with fairly softish leaves with the threads. And then there's one that's, that's called, oh, uh, I can't think of the, the name of it, but it's just called clump. Uh, uh, yucca. It's not native, but it doesn't spread, but it stays in nice little clumps or mounds, uh, which is the one that I grow because it's showier than the native filamentosa, but it's still a clump former. But there's tons of of stuff, but in general, you you want the clump forming kind because they have the softer leaves. You know, they're sharp, but when you touch them, they bend instead of stabbing you right through your hand. (laughs) Yeah, I, I... That's what I sort of figured that the filamentosa species was uh, the native one. Uh, I'll yeah. go through the okay. woods, especially in fine, fine yeah. there's some, there's dominated some ecosystems. Yeah, there's some other uh, good natives, but that's by far the most common and the best adapted to gardens. And the rest are pretty hard to find. You can actually get filamentosa in garden centers. Oh, that's good to know. And yeah. um, what, what is, what is the what are the preferred soil conditions? I, I assume a sandy dry. soil that's dry. Well drained and dry. Well drained and dry. I mean that's the main thing is uh, is, is they, they even though they're they're native here uh, and, and the the clump form the, the what I call the soft tip yucca, um, they're 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 succulents and they don't really like a lot of wetness. Mostly well drained. As long as they don't have standing water around, they'll do fine. Yeah. And uh, they also do well, best with full sun, but but they'll do fine, you know, in part shade. I just, I'm nope. just, that makes a... Go ahead. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, just I'm, I'm sitting here looking for 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 the the Latin name of the soft tip yucca. I, I actually grow it. I can't remember the name of it, but anyway, it's just called soft tip soft leaf or soft tip yucca. That makes sense. I've 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 seen it quite a bit in the forest here in the state and. Like you said, it does appear to uh, prefer hillier, hilltop areas where water wouldn't stand and uh, yeah. drier soils. So that that perfectly makes yeah. sense. Well, I appreciate that's, that's it. All, Thank you very much. Good, good drainage. As a matter of fact, I grow a lot of them in big containers, and I never water them ever, ever. They get more than enough rainfall, uh, and, and if they don't get rainfall for two, three months, they don't care. Well, thanks for your call uh, this morning, William. Um, we appreciate you for joining us. And, Felder, we do have, do have some other calls, Bill in Neshoba County, Ardell in Ridgeland, but, you know, we have to take our break right now. Okay. Okay. Well, folks, I'm calling in from uh, – I'm going to be up here for a few weeks up in northern England. It's cold outside, but it's sunny. It's pretty. I'm in the moors of Lancashire. And uh, I haven't been outside. I'm in quarantine because it's crazy out there. They take this stuff seriously in England. And uh, maybe tomorrow I'll be able to get out and about after my tests come back. But everything's cool. It's all cool. Looking out the window. 
And uh, I actually took some of my gardening that I've been doing for a long time and put it in my coffee cup. We'll talk about that when we come back. But yeah, my old coffee cup that I've had all these years, stained with coffee, horrible looking, had made the sweetest coffee, my little MPB cup. I broke it. I broke it, Java, and I planted some stuff in it. We'll talk about that when we come back. We're live at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Podcasts can be found on our website or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Happy Holidays from Mississippi Public Broadcasting. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Gulfport, Hernando, Meridian, Greenville. However you want, radio, smart speaker, and smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture Spell to Rushing here on MPB. Javi say we got some callers on the line. Let's jump right on it. That's what we do here. Yes, sir. Let's go to Bill in Neshoba County. Good morning, Bill. Hey, Bill. Good morning. Howdy. Good morning. How you doing? Fine. What's going on? Uh, well, I have a question and a comment. The question is, right. uh, about three years ago, I got a pickup uh, load full of real fresh chicken manure, and I put it in the faraway corner of the yard and promptly forgot about it. And uh, last week I looked at it and said, boy, this is all you know, crumbly and brown. It looks great. Uh, so I'm wondering, can I put asparagus in there, or is it, you know, I need to mix something up into it, or what do you think? Well, this it's a good question, but uh, here's the deal. Asparagus is a long-term perennial plant. It grows best in really rich dirt, and that stuff you've got is almost all organic matter, which means eventually, as it decays, it's going to disappear. It just It's like leaving, you know, crumbs of crackers out of the yard. It's just going to disappear. So ideally with something like asparagus, you would take you would, you would dig up some real dirt and then add that stuff to it to fluff it up and then plant in that. That way as the organic matter disappears, they still have still anchored in real dirt. And if you mulch every if you put more stuff on top of it every year, it will keep replacing what decomposes. But a perennial plants need to be in, in good dirt. What you've got is good stuff to add to dirt. Okay, I can do that. Great. Yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Let me, let me throw a couple of things out real quick. Asparagus uh, likes full sun, and it's a long-term crop. So the first year or so, you're not going to get that much. So I would make some beds that are three or maybe four feet across the raised beds and plant them in beds that you can take care of for a long time. And then when you plant them, cover them with leaves or any kind of mulch, and they'll come up through that. And the next fall, when you cut this old asparagus down and it turns brown, you just cover it with more leaves. So that once a year, all you're doing is you're cutting the stuff as it comes up in the spring and then cutting down the old stuff in the fall and covering it up with leaves. And that's pretty much all the maintenance in these. But make it where you can reach it from both sides and it's a perennial plant. I like to plant daffodils uh, in, around the edge of it so you have something to look at in the wintertime. Okay, I can do that. That sounds good. I've, uh, I, I think that there's a real need for uh, for this. We need... A, a word or maybe two words that replace invasive because uh, I recently, well, four years ago, I planted some horseradish and people told me, don't do that. It'll take over. Uh, yeah. I planted some Jerusalem artichokes. Don't do that. They'll take over. Uh, <laughs> some, uh, sour lemon. Don't do that. They'll take over. Well, my sour lemons have grown three inches. The uh, Jerusalem artichokes who took up about two square feet, now taking up two and a half square feet, and so the far, horseradish died. So far. 
Yeah, so, the Bruce and Martin show, once it gets established, it will really spread. You know, and, and there, there's not a good, there's actually a, a debate with, with native plant people. They say, you know, we say certain plants are invasive. They say a native plant can't be invasive because it's already here. And I said, yeah, but it can invade the space next to it. It's invasive right. anything right. that takes over an area where, where it, it wasn't before. But you're right. Uh, and, and they say, you know, we can't say native plants are invasive. The most invasive plant in my yard are oak trees from seeds in my neighbor's yard. So it, it, it's, a, it's a good word. Uh, what country folks say is, be careful with this one. It'll get away from you. Oh, uh, okay. Well, it's just, uh, but uh, may, maybe somehow suggest a, another word for invasive, uh, because uh, the, you know the, the uh, plants and Jerusalem artichoke when it gets established, it's going to start spreading. Okay. Well, I, I planted it. I planted it on a slope because I wanted to be able to have it take over and uh, not have to worry about weeding that slope every uh, year. And uh, I'm waiting for it to do that. I'll yeah, let you know. Well, yeah. All right. Well, good luck. On it. And stay tuned. We'll see if we can come up with a, 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 an alternative, a synonym. Yeah, right. talk, talk to some of your horticultural friends. Maybe there's a scientific oh, okay. name for it. Oh, we're, we're talking to them right now. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Appreciate Thank you, Tom. Appreciate your call, Bill. That was that. that I kind of like that idea of having different words for the the different because everything doesn't get grouped into invasive. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. All so, right, let's go to. Um, what'd you say, Felder? Who who else we got? Uh, we got Ardell in Ridgeland on the line now. Good morning, Ardell. How are you this morning? Hey, Felder, it's Ardell. Oh, oh, howdy, howdy, howdy. Good to talk to you. What, what's going on today? Hey, so I picked up a bunch of plums from a thicket of native native plums. I think they're called Chickasaw plums. Yeah. And I put, them in my, I put them in my compost pile, and I actually have one growing. And my question is, do I have to, and I only have one that made it, do I have to have another plum close by to cross-pollinate? Well, actually, with this, you know, most a lot of plums do need it, but this, the Chickasaw plum, the native plum, it's self-pollinating. That's what I thought, because you see big thickets of them. Well, yeah, oh, but okay. because it's spread, they, they spread by, 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 uh, by roots. Like Nandina or something, they 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 make a, like sumac does. They spread like that. So it isn't the seed because this 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 seed works for me. <laughs> oh no no, they they spread by seed. But when you see thickets of them, it's because they also spread. You plant one, and it's going to have suckers come up five feet away. See, oh, so, so perfect. What, what, what happens when when, ant, when possums or raccoons or birds or squirrels, whatever eat? I don't think squirrels do. Whatever eats the plums. And as far as they go, when they, quote, deposit the seed, then it can come up there. But they make colonies from, from suckers. Oh, good news. That's what I want. I want a big thicket of plums. Well, go, go okay, ahead and plant it. And, then, and when you plant it, uh, how tall is it right now? Well, I've already planted it. I had them in, I had them in buckets. Yeah. But right now yeah. it's about probably three and a half, four feet tall. Okay, I would. Did you you, pl- you transplant them this year? Yeah. Okay, I would. I would still cut it back. I'd cut it back uh, a fourth or a third because what's going to happen is you want it to branch out, have a short trunk and some real sturdy limbs for the the what I call the forever limbs. And if you cut it back a little bit, that'll force some stronger new growth to come out rather than what'll come out the very tip next spring. So cut it back a little bit, and then thin, whatever grows up next year, thin those out to the strongest three or four, or maybe five, and those will be the main limbs of the tree for the rest of its life. And then it'll start uh, sending out suckers once it gets established. Perfect. I'm on it. All righty. Thank you. Well, g- good to hear Bye. from you. And by the way, John, I've been looking up uh, invasive, aggressive, uh, 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 bellicose, no, 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 intrusive, disturbing, interfering, imposing. <laughs> but it should be like in, like imposing or or intrusive A or intrusive B, 
you know, because yeah. uh, like, but, you, you know, it's just different categories. Yeah. Well, it's, if we don't want to call something invasive, you could say it's an aggressive spreader, which is a fancy way of saying it'll get away from you. That's what I was just about to say. I know I've heard my grandma say that a, a number of times. It'll get away from you. You got, got to watch those. What, what, <laughs> what, she, what she's saying is it is an aggressive spreader. It's, yeah. It's a, a, a uh, what would the word be? Uh, uh, opportunistic spreader. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That now that that, that does sound, that does sound better. <laughs> good. It's good. Okay, so we got another caller. Now we got to get them lined up for after this cheesy tune, man. Um, but I want you to tell me about your about your coffee mug. You sent me the picture. You know, you know, I bring stuff. You know, I do carry on most of the time. But because I'm gonna be here for a couple of months, I brought some Bush's best chili beans, and I brought some Rotel and some Tabasco and some cornbread mix, stuff you can't get over here so I can cook. And I had my coffee cup in the carry-on, and apparently they threw it too hard and opened it up, and it was broken. Oh, man. It, it broke in a way where, you know, you can still see MPB on the side. So what I did was I took it, and I, I grow a lot of winter-hardy, cold-hardy succulents, like sedums and little outdoor succulent plants, and I planted it up with a whole bunch of those. And so I repurposed it. <laughs> As a as a succulent planter, the MPB it, uh, coffee cup, nasty as it was, stained as it was, it's been repurposed. Now it's growing cold hardy succulents, and uh, I sent you a picture of it to put with our podcast today. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We're going to put it up with the podcast, and um, it's going to be something to see for all of the uh, MPB mug because <laughs> your mug had a a life of its own, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I got a clear one now. You know, y'all gave me a clear one to replace it because I got a little hole in it, and I put a, some goldfish in it, real goldfish. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, by the way, at the the mpbonline.org thing, you go to the Gestalt Garden, the podcast. For last week, you had that cool picture of that little toy truck with the garden in the back that a listener from up in uh, DeSoto County had given us. So anyway, you want to see what this coffee cup looks like with, with uh, succulents growing in it? Go to mpbonline.org, click on the Get Start Gardener on the podcast, and take it from there. We're going to take a real quick break. I wanted to do a little cheerful song to sort of sum up how I feel about all of our wonderful listeners and the people that helped me out. So we're going to do this cheesy song and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener live on MPB right after this. Thank you for being a friend Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant I'm not ashamed to say I hope it always will stay this way Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's the season of giving, and MPB is closing out the year with a campaign to fund everything you rely on throughout every season. National and local news, arts and culture, and great storytelling. If this is the time of year when you give a little extra to causes you care about, consider a contribution to MPB Foundation by December 31st. 2022 is going to be better because of what you do now. Donate at mpbonline.org. And thanks. 
What are your holiday traditions? Driving to see relatives? Baking treats? Curling up on the couch near the fireplace? MPB Think Radio can be a part of each of these holiday events. Listen on your car radio or your smart speaker, along with on-demand favorites like Deep South Dining and Autocorrect inside the MPB Public Media app. Start a new tradition today, listening to MPB Think Radio while you celebrate the holidays. You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Think Radio. And Java, before we go any further, I got a letter that came in. This is so sweet. Uh, it, a lady wrote in the latter part of November, Dear Mr. Rushing, while going through my mother's things after her death, I came across this note she had written to you. I'm not sure if you ever mailed it, but I wanted to give you a copy. And by the way, she did, she did not send it to me. It's dated 2010. Anyway, at 90 years old, Mama was mostly a container garden. I think that's why your truck garden caught her fancy. She, she had a green thumb and could make a stick take root and bloom. I do miss her. Thank you for all you and Java do to make our, our communities better through love of gardening. But anyway, uh, this, this, this woman had, uh, named Lena Waller had found a, a picture of my, my pickup truck that shoved on the back of it, 90 years old, and she just wanted to send me a note uh, saying how much she enjoyed it. Anyway, I appreciate that a whole bunch. It's nice to, to, to know that even people who are, uh, let's say, not up to their gardening uh, abilities that when they get too old to garden, they can still listen to MPB and share what they know. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but there, I did it. Hey, no, that was beautiful, man. It's all about inspiration. All about inspiration. Yep, and, and also while, while we're listening to that cheesy tune, I looked up yucca, and come to find out many yuccas are native southeast. I knew they were, but I was talking about a plant called soft-tip yucca. And soft-tip yucca is uh, is 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 actually a very common one called yucca recurvifolia. If the guy from Oxford is still listening, yucca recurvifolia is a is a a subspecies, a subcultivar of the native yucca gloriosa, which is big. Yucca gloriosa has big stems, uh, like trunks. Well, the yucca recurvifolia or the soft tip yucca is actually a special like a mutation off of the taller native yucca gloriosa. So we got several good yuccas, but the one called filamentosa with the little threads on the edge of the leaves and the one called uh, uh, recurvifolia or soft-tip yucca are excellent landscape plants. They don't stab you. Uh, they don't get out of bands. They don't flop over, and they have beautiful tall spikes of creamy white flowers that are not only good for hummingbirds and bat, uh, the fruit-feeding bats and and, uh, and pollinators, but you can eat them. I'm just saying. Yeah, these anyway, are some, some beautiful plants. I just looked them up. Yeah, yucca recurvifolia. And I got some growing all over my yard. I, it, it, it doesn't spread, but what I do is I, I twist little pieces off of the base and stick them here and there. So it's a wonderful little texture plant. So who who got on the line, Sir Java? Uh, let's go to Frederick. Uh, Frederick, who's calling from the road. Hey, Frederick. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? So far, so good. Not so bad. What's going on with you? Well, I've got a vegetable garden, and the first year that I put it in, um, it did all right. And then the next years that I put it in, this has probably been about four, it just wouldn't do. It just, it just wouldn't do at all. And then uh, I, I saw on the Internet that, that maybe, and particularly with my tomatoes, one of the reasons they were all dying was because I've got a black walnut that's probably maybe – maybe 20 feet from the you know, one side of the garden. I didn't know if that was the, that was the issue or, uh, or, or <laughs> what, what might well, be going on. Well, well, first of all, I have hit or miss years in my garden, too. You know, and as long as every year you add some stuff to your dirt, a little compost, what I do is I'm, when I plant, I mulch everything. Next time I plant, I just turn that mulch into the dirt and then add more mulch. And so that always keeps it nice and fluffy. Also, if you over-fertilize, that can actually decrease your yield. You know, a lot of people put fertilizer down every year, and the, all they need is nitrogen, you know, a little bit of nitrogen every other year. And regular, In other words, it's easy to over-fertilize. 
especially in a, a smaller raised bed garden. We just don't trust that fertilizer is strong and it lasts a long time. But to answer your question, black walnut is, is, is infamous for how its roots give off this toxic material. And what happened, you dug that, that, you put your garden close enough to where if you had one walnut root anywhere nearby and it hits your, your good dirt, the root said, this is nice. And it spread like crazy, like a fan. Because roots don't grow towards things. When they find something nice, they fan out into it. Uh, so uh, what you might want to do is between you, your garden and the, the walnut, just take a, a, a shovel or something and just cut straight down six or eight inches. That gets almost all the, the roots. And then next time you plant those gardens, dig down a little bit, and if you have any little roots in there, tree roots, just pull them up and throw them to one side. But it very well could be that, that uh, a walnut root hits your, your dirt, said this is nice, and just filled it up, and it does give off a toxin. Oh, okay. I know. Oh, well, then that's it's good to know. All right. That, that's, and you may be exactly right. I may have just over-fertilized it because I certainly fertilize it every year, hoping that it'll do better, but it just doesn't. So that may be it. Here's the deal. Not just for you, but anybody else listening. The three main ingredients in fertilizer, nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash, phosphorus and potash last at least two years in our soils. So if you add it every year, it builds up and builds up, and it interferes with the plant's ability to absorb other fertilizers, including nitrogen. So if you've been using anything with the second and third number, skip it this, this coming year and add just something with that first number, nitrogen. And I would go with the slow-release type of nitrogen, uh, maybe a natural nitrogen like, like cottonseed meal. So in other words, nitrogen at least every year, uh, the other two things every two or three years. And that's farmers know this. Gardeners don't. Right. <laughs> well, I sure do appreciate it. All right, man. Good luck with it. Let, hey, let, let us know if you find any of those roots in there when you start digging around. Because I bet this could be like a like a fan of them. <laughs> I'll, I'll do if it. Was, All right, you have a wall, if, yeah. if I was a walnut, I would hit for your garden. Right. <laughs> okay. Good to <laughs> See know. You later, man. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. All right, sir. Now, that was funny, Felder. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's true. I mean, anybody who's ever uh, made a leaf pile or a compost pile, put on top of the ground, there's nothing there. You come back next year, and it's completely full of all these, this net, this web of roots from a tree that might be 50 feet away. I mean, they just say, dude, it's great. Yeah, I was going to say, mean, looking, looking for the good stuff. Yep. Now, let's uh, yeah. stay on the phones. Yeah, we got another caller from um, Kosciuszko, uh TJ. TJ from Kosciuszko wants to talk with you this morning. Good morning, Felder and, uh, and Java. Hey. Yeah, what's man, I can't, on, man? I can't believe I'm talking to England. Woo! Yeah, well, and and, and, and in real time, too. Although yeah. it's, 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 the, it's 3.30 in the afternoon here. Okay, I'm international now. Uh, I just had a quick comment about uh, Bush's beans. Yeah. I grew up with Jay Bush. In Blyville, Arkansas, we'd go up there in the summers, yeah. and he was a playmate. And I just want to say that uh, buy Bush's beans, because Jay Bush is a real deal. <laughs> He's a good fellow. Well, but you know what? Regardless of what, you know, I like to make chili. Matter of fact, I don't know, Job, if you know this, but I won a third place in a chili cook-off, an official chili cook-off one time. And third place is perfect to me, because first place is too much trouble, too much sweat, too much competition. Second place... Who cares, right? But I got a trophy that said that mine's good enough, but they don't expect it to be too good because it's just third place. But the yeah, but I, I, chili hot beans, the sauce, you know, the pinto beans, I like the sauces in with it. Bush, Bush's best chili hot beans. I wish they advertised on this program because I'm getting a plug. But that's my bean of choice for my third place chili, and I bring oh, cans of it. I, I bring cans of it. And uh, Martha White Mexican cornbread mix every time I come over here because you can't get those over here. They don't know what cornbread is here. Yeah, Jay was a good playmate, but I don't remember Duke. Nope. <laughs> that dog. Well, it was, it was a you, man. Shout out to an old childhood buddy. Appreciate yeah. it. How, how close are you to Wales? Real close. Uh, matter of fact, um, I could just about. Uh, there's, there's, I'm in the the moors. They're like hills, and there's a an observation tower that's built back in the 1800s. And from it, I can see Wales. I can see Isle of Man. I can see Scotland. I can see Northern Ireland. But Wales is 
probably if you look on a on a map uh, where Liverpool is, Liverpool, England is at the very it's across the bay from the top of Wales, and I'm about 20 miles from Liverpool. Now, TJ is kind of stealing some of my questions, Fred. We're coming up on this on this break, but um, I I, I just never asked you. How far is, because they're everywhere, how far is the nearest McDonald's to you? Uh, uh, about uh, about half a mile. Okay, so it's, they, they really are <laughs> they got, everywhere. They got, uh, they, they, they've got uh, 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 Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's everywhere. Don't have any, right now we don't have any Taco Bells. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, real quick, if people want to know what, what part of England I'm in, if you can imagine laying England on top of Mississippi, and England will fit inside of Mississippi, uh, London's around Hattiesburg, I'm up around Batesville. And if you get up, to, and, and, and the Delta is Wales. <laughs> That's a nice, I appreciate that. Uh, that, that uh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, and if you go up to Memphis, that's Glasgow, Scotland. <laughs> it's a small place. I mean, you can walk up and down it in two days, I think. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break, folks. I'm horticulture seller rushing, and Java and I are just we're just opening this door to talk about gardening. Uh, if you have a chance, check out this this Facebook thing called Mississippi Gardening. It's got a lot of cool folks. It's got a lot of real everybody showing pictures of the Christmas cactus and the Thanksgiving cactus getting ready for wintertime. We're going to take a quick break and come back with more of your calls here on the Gestalt Gardener, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Fix It 101 is a fun podcast with lots of home improvement information. Even if that's not your bag, all of the episodes are archived online. So if the mood strikes you or if the need motivates you, you can search your project. And yes, there is a Fix It 101 podcast for that. Is Friday your favorite day of the work week? We're pretty proud of our Friday MPB local shows. At 10 a.m., Next Stop Mississippi lets you know the hot events going on around the state. Southern Remedy for Women is for women and the people who love them. Coming up next after Gestalt Gardner. Listen live online, over the air, or on your smart speaker to MPB Think Radio. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. All righty, folks. Welcome back again. Horticulture is still rush. And we got a couple of holidays uh, broadcasts coming up, uh, uh, Christmas and New Year's Eve. And Java, you and I, uh, before before I left, we taped some special little messages for both of those. So don't think we're going to just be uh, abandoning everybody for the holidays. Yeah, so, no, no, no. This is our last uh, live broadcast before, um, because it's so odd. Christmas and New Year's fall on a Saturday. So it's just, you know, it's going to kind of fall into our Friday broadcast. But we did prepare something special. So make sure you are tuning in uh, 9 o'clock every Friday. There you go. And by the way, I got an email from Hillary Sugart, who's a, a loyal listener, and she said native spreader is aggressive. And I'm sorry, aggressive can mean it gets big, but you know, say aggressive spreader. But uh, somewhere along the line, native plant people think that only non-natives can be invasive. I'm thinking poison ivy is native, but it's invasive. And my neighbors, oak trees, they're invading my yard. They're not just being aggressive. They're invading. <laughs> anyway, Semantic. And speaking with Java, next week we're going to be talking about some special gardening type of terms that are in German. Yeah, we got it. We got a little inter, uh, TJ was talking about international. Yeah, we we went all over the world uh, on that on that segment. Yep. Okay. We got any callers? Uh, yeah, we got some line. Kevin is about to line them up right now. But I do have to tell you, because I tell you this all the time, this program is so cross all spectrums that um, uh, a, a shout out from Kira, uh, a young lady named Kira. She has the Works LLC, a video videographer. Uh, uh, and um, we were at a music venue um Fondering Guitars in your neighborhood and she came up she was like Java I just love the way you and Felder go back and forth every Friday and again I'm like 
you listen to Felder? <laughs> <laughs> the whole nine. <laughs> That's okay. It's gardening. Gardening and food and music are, are languages that cross boundaries. Yeah, the big tent. The big tent. You know, we get together, we talk about sports, yeah, religion, yeah, whatever. You know, you got your different sports, got your different churches, but food and music and gardening, they cross all the spectrums. Everybody can tap their foot. Everybody can drop a seed on the ground. Everybody can chew on a, a, a homegrown tomato. Now, what are you? Um, I know you say you're in quarantine right now. Um, when you when you get out, are you going to uh, hit the hills? And walk. yeah, what are those paths that you always talk about? These footpaths are everywhere. You know, I mean, any two points that are more than 100 yards apart, it's going to be a footpath. And I don't care how bad the weather is or what time of year, there's going to be some footprints that, that were put there the day before. But there are little footpaths crisscrossing all these moors, uh, which are like hills. And in between, they get wild blueberries and blackberries and raspberries and, and uh, all the different heathers. And, you know, it's, like, it's, it's wild land. It's like Wuthering Heights type stuff, uh, cause, which is set not very far from here. But I like to go on these footpaths. Walking all these ancient trails and little footbridges and st- stone steps and crossing the bridges that people have been crossing for three, four, five, seven hundred, a thousand years, and it's set up and they don't have ticks or snakes. <laughs> oh wow, so, that's cool. But I, I like to, I belong to a walking group that's been organized and walking since 1894 every week. Now, will it be considered littering if you would like to drop drop a gnome here and there? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're already there. That's where they come from, man. Matter of fact, there's a whole group of people who said you shouldn't put gnomes in their yards because they're supposed to be out in the woods in the field, and they'll steal them from the yard and go set them loose out in the woods in the field. <laughs> I'm not, it's called the Gnome Liberation Front. I'm not making this up. They set the gnomes loose in the woods. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah what they're supposed to be. You know, the Chelsea Flower Show is one of the most famous flower shows on earth. Uh, for the first century, they would not allow gnomes to be put in their displays. Only elves and fairies were allowed in. But uh, back in 2013, I photographed the first ever gnomes allowed at the Chelsea Flower Show. And they were painted by famous people uh, like uh, like Elton John. You know, they all had their little gnomes tucked away in different places. Sort of like a uh, thing to, to find. If anybody's interested in the, in the real history of gnomes, there's some really fun pictures. Go to my blog, Felderushing dot blog felderushing dot blog in the little search bar type in gnomes i got a whole thing about old gnomes and the history and where you know what happens to them and when, when old ones die where they go all that kind of stuff about no felderushing dot blog scroll around the bottom search box put in gnomes it'll blow you away the stuff that i learned about gnomes like them or not now, Feather, we know you're going to be uh, gone for a while, and you're famous for, you know, setting your garden up because you know you're going to be gone for a while. Did you have to, like, kind of do some special preparations? Because this weather, man, it does not even really feel like Christmas. It is 80 degrees outside um, in December. I know. Well, I, I planted, you know, I plant stuff. I, I, I weed twice a year. In the spring, I weed the winter stuff. In the fall, I weed the summer stuff. And then I plant summer annuals or winter annuals. So I weed and I plant twice a year. Uh, and this, this year when I, when I planted my stuff for the winter, my pansies and violas and, and my, my, uh, my kale and all that stuff, I actually had to water it. Usually it gets rained in really hard, but I had to water it a time or two. But, you know, it's just it's crazy, man. It's just crazy. I mean, we got poison ivy with new growth on it right now. <laughs> yeah, we were talking with... Um... Now, Sam, we were talking with uh, Joe McGee on Creature Conference yesterday, and we were asking about the birds because, you know, have are they thrown off by this by this unusually warm weather? And I think I asked you this maybe last week about the plants too. Uh, yeah, I walk a lot at night, and and uh, and even though I may be in England, I've you know I've been in my little home in in, in Jackson, my little garden for thirty five, thirty six years. And uh, and I noticed little things that happen every week, and I heard owls doing the sounds that I normally hear in the springtime. And we're having spring fly, spring shrubs blooming right now because we had a hot, dry spell, we had a little cold spell, and it warmed up. And they think it's spring again. They'll be fine. 
you know, the plants that are blooming early now, there will still be some. But uh, somebody told me they had blueberries with a few little buds on it the other day. But anyway, it's all good. You know, you, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, something <laughs> happens. You know, so the thing is, plant lots of different stuff. So if something doesn't make it or something dies, you got something else to look at. The only thing I had to do extra was I had to throw all my plants into my, into you know, I've got a sunroom in my shack. I had to water everything really good and throw it in because it's going to have to. And I didn't have time to see if I brought lizards in with it. So I'm hoping the lizards that were in my potted plants, I hope there's some crickets or roaches or something that will give the lizards something to eat on while I'm gone. Because if they can't make it out the door, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's right. And sometimes I do have to catch you know those little and uh, the chameleon type lizards. I have to catch them and let them outside. I always dip them in the water garden because they're thirsty, and I let them loose. But they're on their own for the next couple of months. Yeah. Oh man, that's gonna be this is gonna be amazing when you come back. So, we we done with the calls? Yeah, I think we are, man. We're coming up at the end of the show. Uh we got a couple a couple minutes and we this is our last broadcast um before 2022. That'll be the next time people yeah. hear us live. So, what are you looking forward to in the new year, man? I'm I'm looking forward to it. Well, first of all, I'm looking forward to getting back to my garden because when I get back, the daffodils will be blooming, the flowering quince will be blooming. We'll have camellia japonicas in bloom. A lot of camellia sasanquas and some japonicas are blooming right now, and the eleagnus is still fragrant. Uh, it, so we have a lot going on in the south. We can garden literally every week of the year unless it's frozen solid. So there's lots to enjoy, enjoy out there. There's plenty of things, you know, you you can put get your kids busy making ornaments with uh, seed pods and sweet gum balls and magnolia pods and leaves, and you know, so there's plenty of stuff to do. Um, it's a little late to be planting stuff for winter like, like, uh, like broccoli or cabbage, but I think if you grow some lettuce in pots, if it, gets, if it does get some cold weather and looks like it's going to freeze, just bring your lettuce pot indoors. But there's no reason why you can't have a big pot full of colorful lettuces out on your porch. With or without the daffodils, plant daffodils and then put lettuce on top of it. Eat the lettuce when you're tired of it, and the daffodils will still be there. In other words, don't you know? Don't let this threshold, this lemon, this this things going from summer to winter too fast. Don't let it get you down. It's just a garden gate. Get through it. Don't look back. Get through it. If you don't have something to look at on the other side, well, that's something you need to plant. I'm Horticulture Spell Rushing, me and Java Chapman and all the other folks at MPB and all the other folks who are trying to get people together on common topics. We wish y'all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And we're going to be back here next Friday. But meanwhile, if you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center, get a sack of paper white bulbs and show them how to do what we do best. That's get dirty. See y'all next year. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, wishing you a happy holiday and a wonderful, prosperous new year.